Intellivision Amico looks like a bust, but who's to blame? Is it Tommy Tallarico? Good morning. Good Tuesday morning to you. I'm Shane Satterfield from Sifted, and this is Good Morning Gaming for February 8th, 2022. It comes bright and early every weekday to our patrons who pledge at patreon.com sifted, and it's delayed a couple days later for everyone else. If you like our content, we also have a separate podcast feed for our flagship show, Game Face, that you can find by searching your favorite podcast service. You'll find the podcast versions of the rest of our content in the same feed you found this. So it was announced today that Tommy Tallarico, you guys know Tommy. Tommy is one of the pioneers of video game music. He was a co-host on a show on G4 called Reviews on the Run for years and years. He does the video games live concerts that tour all over the world. He was on three-night weekend about a year ago where I interviewed him about the Intellivision Amico, he has decided to step down as the CEO of the company. He has had that position since the company formed in 2018. He is going to be replaced by former chief revenue officer Phil Adam. According to a statement provided by the company, Tallarico will remain on board as the company's president as well as its largest shareholder. Well, yeah, there's a... There's no way Tommy's going to give up his shares in a company that he essentially founded. But for the most part, Tommy will be taking a step back on the Intellivision Amico brand for the foreseeable future and beyond. What does this mean? Well, first of all, I would argue that it means Intellivision Amico is in really bad shape. If you've worked on something for three years and it's reportedly, and we don't even know this for sure, is reportedly about to launch... You don't step down as CEO at the 10th hour. You just don't do it. If you have confidence that the product is going to be amazing, why would you take your name off of it just as it's about to be released? It doesn't add up. It doesn't make sense at all. Tommy has had a very rough promotional cycle with Intellivision Amico. Now, he was great on Three Night Weekend when I talked to him about it, granted, he was basically trying to sell the product the entire episode, and it was a challenge as a host to get him back on other topics at times. But he was certainly passionate about Intellivision Amico. I don't think there's any denying that, and he should be. It's his baby, his name's all over it, or was all over it. So that enthusiasm is definitely warranted. So why all of a sudden the change of heart? Why does he want to step back and let someone else lead the charge on this product launch? In the last few years, anytime Amico was attacked by the press or by fans, Tommy would become very, very defensive. And I would argue embarrassingly so. He has got in embarrassing arguments on the official Amico message boards. I've seen him get in arguments on social media with people who question things about Amico. Generally, He's been very defensive about it, and it wasn't a good look, and it hasn't been a good look. Keep in mind also that there are already Intellivision Amico games available for sale. They have been for sale in stores since November. The console still hasn't launched. It has been delayed three times. 
The last date that we got was by the end of 2021. Now it's February. Product still hasn't launched. Tommy did say on Three Night Weekend a year ago that they were having issues getting components to build in Television Amico and its controller. And I remember on Game Face, immediately after that episode of Three Night Weekend, I expressed concern about Intellivision Amico. And I was surprised. There were quite a few people who pushed back on that and said they were excited by it. Mostly people on YouTube. When we posted the episode on YouTube, people were excited for it. They thought it was maybe going to be something different, maybe something that their kids could actually get into and enjoy, something they could play with their entire family. A sure sign that all the messaging that Tommy was doing about Amico was sinking in for some people. Wasn't sinking in for me, though. Other data that suggests maybe why Tommy also has decided to step down now, it was announced back in November when the games went on sale that at that point, they only had 6,000 pre-orders for the console. That's not good. Now, you guys know Tommy as the person I described when I first started discussing this, but I know Tommy on a more personal level. He's a friend. I've known him for, I guess it's been, personally, I've known him now for 15 or like 18 years, maybe. We worked together at G4 for a long time. I worked on X-Play. He worked on Judgment Day and Reviews on the Run, the review show that he was on. And so I do know him personally. I am friends with him on Facebook. And it is interesting. Facebook has become, I know a lot of you think Facebook is for old people, and it probably is. If you look at the demographics, it's probably mostly older people on the platform. But Facebook is different because you get to know people on Facebook more than you do if you follow them on, say, Twitter or Instagram. On Facebook, they post stuff, personal stuff, about their family. I think there's less fear of backlash there because he decides who gets to see his posts on Facebook. So you have to be a friend of his. And this week, and I don't want to get too personal about this, but I do want to explain what's going on here. I think this is important to what's going on. Tommy posted a long Facebook update a couple days ago talking about how his father was ill and his father had moved in with him. He is taking care of him. He said his brother had come out to help for a while, um, but he said it's a lot of it has fallen on his shoulders, even though they do have like a day nurse that comes in and takes care of his dad pretty much all week long. Um, and I am sympathetic to that. I mean, I think all of us think about that day when our parents may have to move in with us and how we'll react to that kind of thing and or just what it will be like if your parents become ill and you fear that they may pass. So I am very sympathetic to that. Without a doubt. But I would be lying if I didn't say there was... I had a little bit of skepticism over the post. I don't question that it's difficult for his father to live there at all. I can't even imagine what that would be like. Particularly a parent who's very sick. But Tommy is a very wealthy man. And as he did say in the post, he is paying you know, hospice to come into his house and take care of his father all week long. And so I'm sure it, it's an adjustment for Tommy, and it's not ideal for conducting business, but, and again, I hate to say it, it just feels like it was a convenient way for him to kind of slide out from underneath in Television Amico. It just, it just does. So the question is, what's going to happen to Amico? 
Is it going to even launch? Are people who pre-ordered the console going to get their units? Or are they just going to throw in the towel? To Amico's credit, its new CEO, Phil Adam, did say that nothing has changed. He will be working hand-in-hand with Tommy on the launch of the console. Said the launch is coming. Didn't give a date. Here we are, February 2022. Didn't give a date. It just feels like it's all caving in. And I do not deny that what Tommy's going through personally right now adds on to the stress and the strain that he's feeling right now. And also, I believe Amico is a part of that as well. So, as I said, is this thing going to launch? I would say yes. I think it would be hard for... Tommy and his team to have these contracts in place with manufacturers and not have the manufacturer satisfy the order. Now, there could be a case where they cut their losses and they say, well, if we end this contract, we owe X amount of dollars. The alternative is going through with this and maybe being even more in debt than we would have been. It's hard to tell. But I do think that it's just way too late in the game to just do an about face and and not launch this thing it just is it doesn't happen it it doesn't happen ever anytime a company has made it this far down the road of developing a product the product ends up coming out the games are already in stores yes i think it's coming out do i think it has a chance no do i think tommy and the team working on amico thinks it has a chance no i do not All right, now for some more stories from the top of your SIFs. Take-Two outperformed estimates for its third quarter ending December 31st and was up 6% year over year. You may be saying, Shane, what's, what's the big deal with that? That's no small feat, folks. Considering 2020 was one of the best years for game sales ever. And Take-Two was up 6% year over year in the fourth quarter. It's impressive. There's no doubt about it. Here's what's not impressive. Take-Two specifically credited the extremely buggy Grand Theft Auto trilogy for the spike in sales. So we've gone and we've done it again. We bought a broken game, a known broken game, and failed to send a message to publishers that it's unacceptable to release unfinished games. Website VGC did some calculations and it estimates that it sold a staggering 10 million copies of the GTA trilogy in the quarter. Folks, the cycle turns over once more. Speaking of cycles, GTA 5 sold another 5 million copies in the quarter (laughs) to bring its new total to 160 million sold. It is just amazing. And now the refurbished versions are launching for PS5 and Xbox Series X on March 15th. That total's just gonna go right on up. It's incredible. CEO Strauss Zelnick explained in an interview with VentureBeat that the Zynga acquisition will close in the first quarter of the next financial year and will effectively double Take-Two's bookings overnight. He also claimed that there's a shortage of video game developers right now, so buying a large studio with plenty of talent was a win-win. Gotta say, it makes total sense. This weekend, Valve posted an update to its hardware survey and found that 46% Of all VR helmets being used with Steam are Oculus Quest 2. Staggering. It's followed by Valve Index with 14%. 14%, 46 to 14%. 
and then Oculus Rift S with 13%. If you look further down the list, there aren't many people still using their old VR HMDs, like none. It's really interesting to think back to when all the VR helmets were being announced and how Oculus, HTC Vive, and Valve were in this crazy arms race to create the most advanced product. <laughs> in the end, being wireless was far more important to consumers than resolution and refresh rate. Go figure. Jade Raymond of Assassin's Creed and Ubisoft fame left Google Stadia around a year ago when all first-party development was halted. She signed on with PlayStation in March and formed a new studio called Haven, and today we finally got the first details on what she's been working on. According to French publication Le Duvois, Raymond pitched three games to PlayStation, and it chose a persistent and evolving online game for PlayStation 5 and PC that will seek to differentiate itself from other online games by promoting, in quote, unquote, inclusion and caring. Whatever that means. It sounds interesting at the very least. Raymond also claimed that the team at Haven has tripled in size and will be working with PS5 architect Mark Cerny to get as much from the console as possible. It's good to see Jade in a position with plenty of support where she could be able to excel. Finally. Yet another needless sequel was announced today when reliable Nintendo leaker Zippo shared that the Switch launch game, 1-2-Switch, will be getting a sequel. The game didn't make much of an impression it released because it honestly failed at its promise of truly showing off all the capabilities of Switch and its Joy-Con controllers, but it still managed to sell at least 4 million units at this point, which is more than enough to warrant another one. The original has a 58 on Metacritic, so we'll forgive you for not rushing out to pre-order the sequel. Let's take a break, and when we come back, we'll tackle today's boss fight. Welcome to today's Boss Fight, where I tackle random topics that may or may not be related to video games. So Game Face will be streaming live later today at 1 p.m. Pacific, 4 p.m. Eastern at twitch.tv slash siftedgames. See you there. And we'll be talking about Dying Light 2 today in depth. It'll be one of our typical 30, 40 minute discussions on the big game of the week. And I'm excited to talk about it. And I'm not going to spoil anything, well, mostly anything about how I'm feeling about it here. But there's one element of it that I do want to discuss. And I have checked out a couple reviews for the game. Well, more than a couple. I've read a few reviews. And all of them complain about bugs. And most of the reviews, when they explain why the scores are what they are and why they deducted points, it was typically because, in their opinion, the game was broken or just extraordinarily buggy. And they're not lying. I'm not accusing them of lying. You can see in their review footage, they've captured plenty of gameplay of bugs. Just crazy amounts of bugs. It really runs the gamut. There's cutscenes that don't work right. There's voice acting that disappears. There's times when the frame rate just bottoms out. I've seen it with my own two eyes. They're not lying. They have encountered tons of bugs in Dying Light 2. I have now played Dying Light 2 for... I didn't look at the counter, I should have, but my guess is probably 15 hours at this point, maybe a little more, and I'll be playing more tonight before I discuss the game today on Game Face. 
And I have not experienced a single bug. Not one. Not even a little rinky-dink, like, characters clip through a wall. Nothing. I have experienced no bugs whatsoever. Not one. Now, there was a very small patch released for the game. It literally took me, I think, a total of 10 seconds to download the patch. So I don't know if there was some kind of a fatal flaw in the code that they discovered and fixed, and it was in that first patch. It's hard to imagine they wouldn't have discovered something like that before launch. So I don't really think that's it, but that's also kind of beside the point. What I want to talk about is how difficult it's becoming to review games and how buggy games make it difficult for both critics and consumers. So I did not get early review code for Dying Light 2. I went out and bought it just like you, paid my 60 bucks, my 65 bucks after tax and brought it home and played it and downloaded the little patch. Obviously, most of the people who have reviewed the game at this point got early review builds for the game, played the review builds, got the bugs, filed their reviews, done and done. No harm, no foul. No one's done anything wrong here. And again, I don't want to insinuate that anyone has done anything untowards or something that would sacrifice their editorial integrity. They were given a build of the game to review by the publisher, and they reported what they experienced when they played the game. But here I am. I'm 15, 20 hours into the game. I've had no problems with it. So, if I were to write a review, my review would not be deducting points for bugs or crashes or anything of the sort, because I've had none. So, how do you review games reliably for consumers? In this case, I'm a consumer. I went to a store, and I bought this game, and I've been playing it nonstop since I got it. Not exaggerating, literally nonstop, basically, since I got it. And I've had no problems with it. So I haven't written a review for this, and you will get my impressions of it later today on Game Face, where I'll talk in depth about what I like and don't like about it. But I sure the heck would not be deducting any points for bugs. And so I start to wonder to myself, what is it about me that is different? I'm playing it on PlayStation 5, which according to most online reports, is the platform that has the most issues. I've looked at a couple discussions online. It appears that the Xbox Series X version is much better off than the PS5 version. I'm playing the PS5 version. Again, not a single bug, not a single issue in that way. So my review as, as a consumer, if I, all other things equal, as far as like evaluating a game, if I looked at the rest of the game the same as all these other outlets that have reviewed it already... My score will be much higher than theirs. It just will. So as a consumer, like I was this time, and like you guys are pretty much every time, how do you navigate these waters? How do you know who to trust? Because you're seeing the footage of the bugs in the reviews, so you know they're not lying. But now I'm here telling you that I have had no issues whatsoever. And I'll say it again later today on Game Face. I've had no bugs, unless something happens tonight while I'm playing. It's worked flawlessly. But do you trust me, or do you trust the reviews? You should trust the reviews, because you're seeing it with your own eyes. But for me, how do I show you that a bug has never happened? It's easy to show that a bug has happened. It's impossible to show that a bug has never happened, unless you watch me stream the game from beginning to end. 
There's no way. So how, again, how are you navigating these murky waters as a consumer? Have you just accepted at this point that games are going to have bugs? And you've set a limit on what you're willing to tolerate when you buy a game. Now, as I mentioned earlier in this episode, the Grand Theft Auto trilogy, everybody knew that thing was busted. And it sold 10 million copies in a quarter. So the general consumer has decided it's willing to accept a pretty hefty amount of bugs and still pay full price for a game. There were no secrets about the GTA trilogy after the first 12 hours. The reviews were out. At that point, there was tons of gameplay online. You could see that it was a mess. People still went and bought it. And I will say this. It was an easy gift to give at Christmas for someone you know who likes to play games. Three GTA games on one in one product. That's an easy gift to give. That helped, for sure. But, let's be honest, you don't sell 10 million copies to people who are just looking to buy a gift for their gamer bro or their gamer friend. (laughs) That's not how it works. We bought 10 million copies of the GTA trilogy. And so I really have just come to the conclusion that in order to evaluate games in the best interest of the consumer going forward, I feel like I need to place less emphasis on clean code and non-buggy games because you guys have proven time and again that it doesn't matter that much to you. And I think a lot of it is just the assumption that it's going to get fixed. But we've seen with Cyberpunk 2077, that's not always a guarantee. And we'll see with Dying Light 2 if that's a guarantee. But again, I've experienced no bugs. But that's the only way I feel like I can accurately assess games for you guys now is I need to dial back how much I punish a game for bugs because you guys have dialed back the punishment for bugs. Thanks for listening to Good Morning Gaming. I appreciate every single one of you who listens to GMG. I'm Shane Satterfield, and you can do what the cool kids do and follow me on Twitter at Dinfire and follow Sifted Games while you're at it at Sifted Games. We'll be back with another one tomorrow, but until then, make sure you seize today because there will never be another.